everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, August 7th, 2016. Last week's Phyllis Billy elevator makeup session ended in a remarkable slap. I was actually really impressed with the power behind the Phyllis's slap. I feel like, didn't we accuse her a, a few weeks, months ago of a weak slap on Billy? And she totally made up for it this week. She drew blood, actually. The, the kitty had her claws out <laughs> and she made him bleed. I was kind of shocked. I thought it was great. I mean, the kind of passion that Billy and Phyllis have between each other is is it, it ranges from uh, love and sex to like hatred and fighting. So it made sense that it kind of erupted that way. I wasn't expecting it, expecting it, but I thought it was kind of fantastic. And I was really happy that Billy accepted Jack's offer to join the board of directors at the Abbott Winters Foundation because, after all, it is the Abbott Winters Foundation. So I liked seeing all of the Abbots there together, all of the Winters there together, and there was plenty of drama to go around. I mean, there was probably enough fireworks in that room. It could have been the 4th of July between the families and then within the families. I thought it was great. Um, first of all, the drug trial is over now, but there's still a lot of lingering drama. Some of the patients are suing the foundation, or sorry, suing the, um, suing the, the whatever the drug trial name was. I don't, did, it, did they even give that a name? Uh, they're suing the drug trial, and so it's created all of this negative press around Hillary. And of course, we got to have our favorite nosy reporter. <laughs> she got up in Hillary's face with her microphone. I love her. I love that actress. I just think she's cute and fun and quirky. I, I want to see her more often. I want to bring her on the show and hook her up with Neil or Devon or somebody. She's just, she's adorable. But she's moved on from gossip reporting into hardcore, like un unveiling of big news stories. Uh, so she was pressing pretty hard on Hillary and Ashley came in and tried to smooth things over, but it's clear that Hillary's kind of always on her own page. She never really agrees with what anybody else is saying, including Devon. Devon comes up with a very reasonable suggestion to just pay a settlement, make the whole thing go away, and Hillary just has this fiery uh, just resilience within her where she never really wants to admit that she's wrong and she certainly doesn't want to pay all these people all of this money so she's in opposition to Devon on that matter and it's just making her look bad the more that she wants to fight it the more negative press she's ultimately going to end up getting and because she's a member of the Abbott Winters Foundation all of that negative press is drawn onto a foundation where they're trying to do something really, really positive. The Abbott Winters Foundation is all about helping people recover from addiction, and they don't need all of the drama that comes along with Hillary and her work and her life. Now, I think it's interesting that they decided to bring up a motion to have her 
completely voted and removed from the board. I had a feeling that it wasn't going to go through. Uh, I had a feeling that Hillary was not going to let it go through because one by one, all of her enemies are sitting at the table uh, at the board meeting. Lily, Ashley, Phyllis, they're all giving reasons why Hillary should just be kicked to the curb. And Hillary does actually a pretty good job of going back and forth between uh, being uh, vicious right back at her naysayers, which by the way were the women, <laughs> uh, well plus Billy, um, and also kind of trying to, I think to the guys, present a little bit of her softer side and reasons why they should be empathetic toward her. She specifically reached out to Jack and said, hey, I'm here because I want to do something in honor of my mother. I was a child living with an alcoholic parent. That's why I'm involved in this whole thing in the first place. If I can save even one child from having to go through what I went through, then I want to do it. I don't necessarily know if I believe that those are Hillary's intentions. Maybe, maybe way far back in the back of her mind and soul and heart, but in the forefront, she really is just someone who wants to advance herself. And a lot of the people at the table seem completely able to see through that but not not Jack. I mean, Jack has always had a soft spot for her. Um, and I, I'm kind of wondering if Hillary's mother is going to be coming more into play. It was interesting that she brought her up at a time when we know uh, someone has been cast by the name of Lucinda is the character who's going to be coming on the show for a few episodes, which I'm, I can't help wondering if it's Hillary's mother or grandmother. I mean, I know Hillary's mother had uh, had died unfortunately, but um, I, there could always be a twist of her still being alive or even just a grandmother coming in. I kind of feel like YNR might be trying to set us in a softer Hillary direction. <laughs> she plays the villainess, the she-devil, with an incredible amount of just, I mean, she. it feels real, it feels, um, it feels, but yet it feels over the top at the same time. I've really enjoyed this uh, wicked version of Hillary, but at the same time, I think think that Weiner might be trying to take her in a softer direction, but she was really not fooling any of the ladies at the table. I love how Lily just jumps on her at any chance she can. Ashley has all the reason in the world to want Hillary out of the way for everything that she's done to her. And then there's Phyllis. In the middle of Hillary's plea to Jack, Phyllis steps up and says, wait a minute. I am not about to let you see in here and use my husband as a way to get what you want. And Phyllis just laid into her publicly. I mean, she stood up. <laughs> Everybody else just sat down and gave their argument. But Phyllis stood up and hovered over Hillary and from across the table and just let it rip all of the bad things Hillary's done. And Hillary wasn't about to take it. She stood up and she fired right back. I thought that was kind of one of the greatest moments of the week. I liked seeing how the two women were going at each other. They had supporters and detractors. And then, I mean, some people just, I think, mostly Devon and Neil, I think, sitting at the table kind of covering their face. <laughs> Probably not wanting to admit that, that they are associated. They've both been married with this woman. It's, it's her family, or she is family. Uh, but I just thought that was a really fun moment. Hillary versus Phyllis. It's been coming for a while. I thought to myself, I hope 
Hillary's not just going to bust up all of Phyllis's secrets up in this room because you never know when Hillary might have a card up her sleeve. She probably would have played it if she would have known about Billy and Phyllis's affair, but she certainly knew that Jack and Phyllis's marriage was on the rocks and she didn't waste a moment saying it. Billy didn't waste a moment standing up and trying to defend Phyllis either. It was very awkward, <laughs> especially since Phyllis didn't want Billy there in the first place. She doesn't want to be in the same elevator with him, let alone on the board of directors with him and her husband. But Billy, of course, can't help defending her. Oh my goodness. I thought it was such a, that was such a good scene. And I have to mention, Phyllis's fashion lately has been so on point. I love the way Gina Tognoni dresses. Like she, she's really giving us a little bit more of that Phyllis flair in her wardrobe. And we didn't get that at first, but uh, I think when the role was recast, but now it's like every single outfit that woman puts on, I can't stop staring at it because I thought she looked beautiful in red last week, uh, toward the end of last week, beginning of this week. And then I could not stop staring at her this week in that mauve jumpsuit with gray belt, gray matching bag, and that big chunky silver and gold necklace. It was so beautiful. And then Hillary in her beautiful red dress. She devil. I just, is the perfect way to describe Hillary. I wish I would have thought of that weeks ago. I could have been calling her that all along. But as soon as I saw her in that flaming hot red dress, I just thought, she devil. And it was so good to see those two women going at it. Uh, it was a lot of drama. It was a lot of fun. But ultimately, Jack and Neil vote to keep Hillary. Um, Jack was kind of the, the swing vote there. I, I knew that Neil was going to vote to keep her because he had that vibe about him the whole time. Like, I'm willing to maybe give her a chance or, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Neil was still thinking about the whole blackmail situation. But you can tell Neil still has, um, a, a, I think, probably more of a bit of respect for Devon, like not wanting to make Devon's life a living hell if he had to deal with Hillary getting kicked off of this foundation. So Neil votes in favor of keeping Hillary and Jack ultimately being the swing vote. Uh, he decided to keep Hillary as well. So she's around, sticking around for now. It's just that poor Devon is left with the task of wrangling her. completely made sense to me that Victoria did not want to leave Newman Enterprises and just let Victor win. If getting her out of the picture is what Victor wants, then Victoria would have every reason in the world to want to stick around and try to fight at Newman Enterprises. But then <laughs> Jill in her wily ways <laughs> decided to try to ply Victoria with her smooth top shelf rum <laughs> and completely got Victoria to turn around. Well, at least during her buzz, she was turned around. We'll see if she wakes up, uh, has a hangover next week and decides to not work at Brash and Zazzy or maybe to try to work both. I don't know, but I really love 
loved seeing Jill get Victoria drunk. I mean, I liked that that was Jill's idea, and I liked seeing stiff upper lip Victoria letting her hair down a little bit, getting a little loose, and just kind of wobbling around the athletic club, wobbling to the uh, to the uh, the lab and talking to Billy. And she's just she's such a stiff character that it's an extra special treat to see her drunk and a little bit out of control, which was the original appeal of the Victoria and Billy relationship. If you remember when these two characters first got together, it was very much uh, putting in opposition Billy's uh, party boy, fun-loving attitude with Victoria's staunch and stuffy kind of attitude. And it was sort of a surprise coupling that when Y&R put them together and it was it was kind of the magic of their whole relationship and and um, I and I also completely appreciated that Y&R was sort of bringing it back to Billy and Victoria's roots with the rum. I mean, they got married in Jamaica, they crashed that wedding and had a wedding of their own, and I mean, it was that was part of the charm of their early relationship, and I liked that Y&R kind of brought it back to that, but... I think that's a good poll question for this week. Would you like to see them reunited? Should Billy and Victoria get back together? YRChat.com. Let's get a pulse on how you're feeling about the new fuzzy closeness that seems to be developing between Billy and Victoria because Victoria goes stumbling back to the lab where Billy sees her and is kind of taking a little bit of pity on her and he begins to comfort her and she ultimately falls asleep on his lap in the lab and there was kind of a moment even where I thought they were going to kiss and I would say it is probably becoming clear that these couples are kind of on their way back to each other. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means that's what I want but um, would you like to see Billy and Victoria reunited? YRChat.com I'm not sure. I mean I think that I've said in the past, yes, no, yes, no, but I... I am a little bit open to the idea that maybe getting Billy and uh, Victoria back together could be kind of a way to soften up his character because Y&R really took him dark with the recast. They went in a totally different direction. He was a dark motorcycle riding, screwing his brother's wife kind of guy. And I wonder if now what they're trying to do is remind us of that lovable party boy oof kind of guy and and by reuniting him with Victoria. So I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of can see YNR softening up Billy's character, reuniting him with Victoria, and at the same time reuniting Jack and Phyllis because it does seem like they're actually trying to work on their relationship. Uh, we saw them at the athletic club toward the end of Friday's show, and they seem back on track. They were smooching, and, and everything seems to be going okay. Okay, so it's almost like the couples are back to their original configuration. And it makes me wonder if the Billy and Phyllis affair is actually ever going to come to light.
if Victoria is indeed out at Newman Enterprises, then Summer may become Victor's new Victoria. I can completely see her being his new sort of lapdog. At first, she turned down Victor's offer for a job, but then Luca kind of pumps her up and she decides to go back to the company. She gets her own new office. I'd say that means she's going to stay at least around or or uh, she's going to at least be seen or something important is going to happen there because we don't get a new set for no reason. Of course, they could recycle the office for all I know, but I thought her office looked really nice. <laughs> We're getting all kinds of new sets. I wish they would fire and hire people at YNR all the time <laughs> because it seems like every time we have a regime change, we get a lot of new sets. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm pro that. Uh, Summer and Luca are in her new office. She's looking at her computer, looking at her calendar, and realizing that she's late on her cycle, and she begins to think that she might be pregnant. Uh, I loved, by the way, like, I, it was, it was kind of funny seeing, um, Summer's reaction, Luca's reaction, but the best part for me was Nick standing outside the door of her office and happening to overhear that he thought she, that she thought she was pregnant, and kind of the look on his face was dope. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, nobody probably wants to believe that their, uh, their you know, daughter is probably not, like, a happy surprise, you know, or, 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 I mean, especially since she is dating Luca, somebody who Nick and nobody really likes. I think his face kind of said it all. He runs right to Phyllis, asks her if she's ready to be a grandma again, <laughs> which she took it a little better. Phyllis had a little bit more of a pragmatic approach. I think that um, Nick's reaction was all emotional. I mean, everybody's worried. Everybody's wondering what this means. Is, you know, is Luca going to be upset about this? Is he going to throw a fit? Is he going to leave Summer or treat her badly? I never thought that would be the case. I immediately assumed that if Summer was pregnant, then Luca would glom onto the child because he, he just, he, he just doesn't see, you know, we kind of saw a little bit of his attitude when he was searching for his daughter with Marissa. And I thought, I, I really, I, I can see him being more of the kind of guy who would want to make up for that mistake. He's, he sort of strikes me as is similar to Adam in the way of that he wouldn't probably abandon his child, of course, even though he did it once, I suppose. Uh, but all of it becomes a moot point as it's just a false alarm. Summer has taken three pregnancy tests. <laughs> she is absolutely not pregnant. I think that you could hear Phyllis and Nick's sigh of relief like three states over. <laughs> uh, but... Luca had a very different reaction. He had a more positive reaction. The idea of Summer being pregnant actually made him feel more bonded to her and actually made him decide to propose marriage to her. He, he says he loves her more than ever. He liked the idea of starting a family with her. He gets down on one knee. He has the roses. He has the ring. He even busted out a little bit of Spanish for the the occasion <laughs> and asks the woman to marry him to which of course she says see <laughs> yes yes I will marry you my Spanish hottie <laughs> 
Oh, I, I kind of wonder, especially looking back at that flashback sequence of Summer and Luca's relationship, I think YNR is trying to soften up Luca, too. There are so many ways in which I felt this week was a lot about character development and uh, maybe maybe taking, I mean, if you think about it, Hillary and Billy and now Luca, these are characters who uh, started out kind of mild and, or were mild at some point, and, and YNR really kind of put them on steroids and, and made them kind of go bad, like the bad apples, and it feels like maybe they're getting pulled back in a little bit. I can see YNR softening up Luca, but at the same time, Victor and Nick are still trying to find out who was behind that oil spill. So glad to know that that's still a question out there, because I I was completely confused by it and hoping there were there was going to be some resolution on it. I can't imagine what else it's going to be um, other than Luca. I, I feel like YNR is either going to make Luca completely not guilty, and they're just going to find a way to whitewash that whole storyline and say it was Travis or say it was somebody, so you know, bring someone in that wasn't even on the scene at the time uh, and completely blame the oil spill on someone else entirely, or uh, I think it's possible that either Victor and or Nick are going to find out that Luca was behind the oil spill the whole time and Summer will realize that his betrayal was even bigger than he already confessed to, which <laughs> would put a little bit of a hitch in their wedding wagon. Natalie who? <laughs> I mean, she Natalie might as well not let the door hit her on the way out as far as Kevin is concerned because the millisecond that Chloe walked back to, into Kevin's life, Natalie was gone. She was a ghost in his mind. Ex-wife in, current girlfriend out. She didn't matter at all, which is shady. It's 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 kind of like Kevin's dog and Natalie a little bit, frankly, I think. Um I mean, at least he was honest with her. The paternity test ended up being negative, and he still decides to break up with Natalie. I mean, Kevin made it very clear that he was hoping that he would be the father of Bella, but even though he's not, he has decided that he wants to be there for Chloe. He wants to be with Chloe, and at Michael's behest, Kevin does actually decide to break it off with Natalie, be honest about his feelings, which I felt really bad for her because she saw it coming. I mean, all of a sudden, all the classic breakup lines were coming out of his mouth and he just had to do it and she saw it coming and she was very offended, which I, I have no idea what that means for Natalie. I, I, I have no idea, but I'm also a little bit um, disappointed with Kevin for wanting to just fall back into Chloe's arms so quickly when she does not want him. She's already made it clear that she does not want him. And she gives him any crumb of affection saying, Kevin, I mean, look, I know you're not Bella's father. I would never keep that. I would never keep that from you, but I, I'm sure you would be a really good father. 
together. It's he takes any little amount of affection that she gives him and now he's turned it into chasing this dream of a family with Chloe again, which makes him look so pathetic and I was so tired of it around the time that she left town the last time and I don't really want to see it again. But he wants to be a dad. He wants to be a husband. He offers to let Chloe move in with them before he even broke things off with Natalie. So he's all in on Chloe, even though he's not the father of her child. Now, I personally still think that's debatable. But let's take a look at last week's poll question, which is who's the father of Chloe's baby? 54% of you said it's Bill. It's obvious. It's Billy um, that, um, you know, I saw a lot of various reasons, you know, even just down to the resemblance that the child has to Delia. Uh, and of course, we have uh, had the scenes of the uh, paternity or the excuse me, the sperm that Chloe stole from the um, the lab, which, by the way, quite a few people told me that that was the original scene that we saw uh, indicating that it was indeed Billy's sperm. So that's good to know. Uh, but I think uh, most YNR chatters anyway, 54 percent are taking that at face value and uh, saying that Billy is the father. 26%, including me, <laughs> say that Kevin is the father. And uh, then we have 20% saying neither. Um, I, and I think um, just kind of gauging from some of the comments, uh, some folks were thinking maybe there was going to be a twist in there that it's some other guy that we've you know seen or even not seen. Chloe's been away for a while. Doesn't necessarily mean that either of these two guys are the father. But for, for my money, I just keep waiting for the twist. I think that's what it is. I'm, I mean, uh, I, like, this is a woman who helped get the lab results for Constance Bingham's poisoning rigged. And I mean, I'm guessing she did it twice even. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't put it past Chloe to rig the paternity test results because I just think the way Chloe is so adamant with Kevin that it's not his, there's just part of me that thinks that she has something up her sleeve or she knows something Something more than she's letting on. And we, as we saw from Chloe's scene with Adam, this woman can be quite convincing even when we know she's lying through her teeth. Chelsea goes to visit Adam and he says to her, hello, Chloe is the mystery woman. If she's back in town, she's the one that's working with Victor. You need to use every trick you have up your sleeve to get Chloe to confess to being the one who set me up and maybe that will lead to me getting my freedom. So Chelsea takes that very much to heart. Step one, move her on in. <laughs> Chelsea just offers to let Chloe move in with her. They're going to be best girlfriends, raising their kids together. And hey, why not give her a job too? So Chloe has been fully reincorporated into Chelsea's life. And she's saying all of the right things. I mean, every word that comes out of Chloe's mouth is about forgiveness. And they even had this heart-to-heart -heart moment where Chloe insists that she's gotten beyond everything that Adam did. And 
And yes, she misses her daughter, but she wants to be healthy. And Chelsea even finds this book about forgiveness and grieving in, in, in Chloe's uh, bag and with, has all these passages highlighted. And, and Chelsea is just buying it hook, line, and sinker. I mean, and, and not only that, but Chelsea goes to Adam and says, look, I don't think she's lying. I think Chloe's being really sincere. And honestly, part of me thinks, Chelsea, wake up. Why don't you see this? This woman ran over your husband. I mean, not even that long ago. She has every reason in the world to want to frame him. But I kind of think that Chelsea is approaching it more from a mother-to-mother slash guilt angle. I think because Chelsea's looking at their children playing together, uh, Chelsea wants to believe that Chloe is stable and that she just wants to be a good mom and that's what she's focusing on and, and that she wouldn't go to such lengths to seek revenge on Adam. But I also think Chloe is also clouded by guilt. If you remember back when Adam ran over Delia when Chelsea found out about it her guilt was incredible and in some ways you know equal to Adam's because Chloe was her best friend they took Delia's corneas as a donation for Connor so that her son could see again so I think Chelsea is predisposed to want to give Chloe the benefit of the doubt because she knows in part that her husband was responsible for Chloe's biggest uh, heartache, heartbreak that never goes away in life. Uh, and so I, I kind of think that's why Chelsea is being so um, uh, lenient toward uh, toward Chloe. She even suggests, or actually it was Adam that suggested that Chloe come visit him. He says, all right, if you think Chloe's so innocent, tell her to come visit me. We'll see how that goes. And she does. And Chloe, of course, goes in there. They come face to face. Adam behind bars. We know that Chloe is behind setting up Adam, and yet she's sitting there looking him in the face, singing the same old tune that she sang to Chelsea about how innocent she is and how how for, you know how much she would never do that to him because she's she's not focused on him. She's focused on her life and her daughter. I mean, it was really convincing too, Ch Chloe. Must be a great actress <laughs> uh, because she must have tapped in to some really true pain to squeeze out all of those crocodile tears uh, because they were very, very convincing. Uh, she, but she stepped out of the room and we saw this look on her face like, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha, you SOB. Like she she was saying all of the right things to Adam and I and I'm, I don't think he bought it. I think I think that it was probably hard not to, but at the same time, Adam, I think, is rightly skeptical, and I, I kind of think he's going to stick with his skepticism. I don't think that Chloe's uh, waterworks turned him around. I think it might have made him doubt. It was, but but I think he's. I think next week or the next time we see Adam, I kind of have a feeling he might still be convinced that it was her. Um, uh, but but the look on her face when she left that room was no no no. I'm enjoying every moment of it. Um, the interesting thing is, of course, we have uh, Victor who is pressuring Chloe for those diary pages, but Nick is sort of on the case too. 
he found out from Dylan that there were, you know, that Victor had blackmailed uh, or that Victor had offered Adam the diary pages and then they magically disappeared. So Nick is on the hunt for those diary pages, too. He's been snooping around town, sniffing, trying to talk to Chelsea, trying to do what he can. Um, just on a side note, I, I know this is probably not going to happen, but seeing Nick and Chelsea together gives me ideas. <laughs> Isn't it was anybody else kind of thinking when Nick paid a couple of visits to Chelsea this week that they might be kind of a good couple? Like uh, maybe Nick and Chelsea could have a relationship while Adam's away. <laughs> no, that would be terrible, terrible. But maybe eventually I could see Nick and Chelsea together. Just for some reason, I think that would be interesting. I mean, Adam kind of took uh, took uh, Nick's true love in Sharon. So why shouldn't Nick take Adam's true love? in Chelsea. I thought it was good. Uh, but ultimately, I kind of think that we might possibly be setting up for Nick to be the one to find the diary pages and maybe Sully's paternity secret all in one. Oh my gosh, that camping adventure was a breath of fresh air, literally. <laughs> After months of this dark, dark baby switch storyline, I thought that the whole camping thing was like the greatest thing to happen on YNR in a while. I loved it so much. It was just comic relief. It was just easy watching. <laughs> uh, I didn't have to think too hard about it. It was just fun and funny. I loved that Dylan and Faith were completely gung-ho about the idea of taking a little family camping trip. Mariah and Sharon, not so much. They were kind of going along with it to make Faith and Dylan happy, but Mariah and Sharon are so incredibly inept <laughs> for sleeping outside in a tent, gutting fish. I can't say I blame them. <laughs> I just, even the opening scene of them all showing up in the woods and Sharon has her big old floppy hat and sparkly tennis shoes on like I don't know what camping trip she is dressed for she must have accidentally googled glamping <laughs> because camping no sparkly shoes no <laughs> I just thought the girls were so funny and adorable and was Mariah wearing a shirt that said bitch please <laughs> You can tell that Y&R had the, the part that said bitch pinned so that it wouldn't come uh, come apart. Like she had a she had the shirt on and then the flannel over it and it was kind of pinned so that the full word wouldn't appear, which is weird because Y&R says the word bitch. They they say it. it they're you know, like girls call each other that on the show when they're having a fight. Uh, so I don't know why. I guess it I guess it was would have been a little more shocking to see Mariah just wearing the shirt. But I thought that was a funny choice of attire for a camping trip and I, I literally laughed 
laughed out loud when Sharon pulled that container of goat cheese and artisan crackers out of her bag so that she and Mariah could snack on some real food while Dylan and Faith were off catching fish. I mean, I just, the girls were funny. It felt like I was watching just sort of a quirky little comedy there. I mean, it was so easy and so fun. And I liked watching the expression on Sharon's face as she guiltily pulled the goat cheese out. <laughs> it was just so funny. And frankly, I thought that Dylan was a really charming and sweet foil he, for the whole thing. I mean, he even had this chance to acknowledge his adopted father and his roots and that, that camping is something that he's into. And he used to do that with his father. And it reminded him of some of the experiences he had in the military, which we should be careful of considering he has had disconnect issues. He's had PTSD. Uh, but I just, I liked seeing Dylan in his element. It really highlighted how different Sharon and Dylan are, but how they are also very complimentary. Uh, Faith even had an I Heart camping shirt on. <laughs> so it was cute to see Dylan and Faith so excited about this whole thing and Mariah and Sharon just trying to dodge all of these horrible camping activities and just really not wanting to be there. I thought it was uh, really funny. And I mean, moment, the greatest moment of the whole thing was them sitting around the, I think sitting around the fire telling ghost stories and Faith's go wanted to tell the ghost story of, I think she said she called it the baby stealing ghost. <laughs> Let me tell you the story of the baby stealing ghost. I mean, the look on Sharon and Mariah's face was like, Goo -goo. Because it was, it's always Faith in the background. I mean, Sharon and Mariah are constantly having conversations about this baby switch thing. And Faith is always in the background walking in and saying, what's going on, guys? Or who knows what little Faith could have overheard in that house. So there was a moment of, is Faith going to say something here? But no, it's a story that she heard. Uh, where, I don't know. She said she heard it somewhere. Uh, and it, it's a, it was a story and I heard it and it was actually about a woman named Sheila, which I thought was another really great nod. I mean, YNR is giving us history. They're giving, it's, I, I feel like the writing, they're kind of showing us that they know the show. They're putting in little Easter eggs for us to remember. So I thought that was a really cool and fun moment. Just a nice touch from the writing and one of many lately. Um, but of course, leave it to Sharon to walk into some poison ivy. They really, I mean, she really had a bad rash on her. It, lo it looked pretty gross. Uh, she had to leave and go to the, have Dylan take her to the hospital and uh, Mariah and Faith stayed behind, had a nice little sisterly moment. And by the time that Sharon and Dylan got back uh, with the baby, they were just seeing Mariah and Faith snuggled up sleeping. And the whole camping adventure sequence kind of was left on a, oh, look at our happy family sort of note, which was nice. I mean, I think that either, I, I just, I, I thought it was, to me, it just felt nice and easy and fun. And I'm, I think that either this is going to be one of those instances where no one ever finds out about the paternity of Sully slash Christian for years. And by the way, it has happened. I mean, we went 
went for a long time before we found out that Malcolm was actually Lily's father, and the audience kind of knew and suspected the whole time, uh, but YNR let that one sit and stew and marinate for a long time. So, I mean, the fact that Sharon and Dylan are sitting there leaving uh, on a note of, our family is happy, things are good, either YNR is going to leave it that way for a long time, or... We're just setting Dylan up for even bigger humiliation and even bigger heartbreak. Last week, we had a who said it quote that went like this. Look at that lonely, unmarried woman. I can't believe that Jill said that. <laughs> that was one of the worst things I've ever heard come out of her mouth. It almost sounded like something your grandma or great grandma would say, just assuming that because she's unmarried, Victoria is lonely. I mean, she's just looking at Victoria walking through the restaurant, having absolutely nothing to base this on, just seeing her and assuming that because she doesn't have a husband. She is lonely. I just, I, I don't know, for some reason, that just seemed like such a terrible thing to say, and, and yet such a wonderful who said it quote, <laughs> which quite a few of you got it right. Maybe it was just such a bold statement that you guys are like, yep, that sounds like a Jill quote. T, Nicole, Sandra, Candida, Becca, Harper, Nathalie, Tanya, Sharita, Beatrice, Jamie, John Christopher, and Amanda all got that one right. Twelve people. That was, that was a lot of you. Uh, I guess maybe that one was a, a little bit obvious, but I couldn't pass it up. It was just too juicy of a thing to say. But let's see if you guys are going to be as good on this week. I don't know. I think this one is a little bit harder. Uh, I'll tell you, this, the answer to this one is not Jill, although it could be. Do you know who said this? Sometimes I'm a little shady. <laughs> Not Jill, but it could have been Jill. If you think you know, though, who said sometimes I'm a little shady, you can go to yrchat.com, leave your guess, and if you get it right, then I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR chat. One guess per person, please. Don't be shady. <laughs> Uh, don't be shady like this person, but I'll be curious to see what you guys all guess and if you caught it. Sometimes I'm a little shady. I'd say that's our cue for reading out some of your comments. So, Henry left me a comment at yrchat.com saying, there must be a reason for the camping trip other than on the surface appearing just to be a huge waste of time. Uh, Henry, I was kind of wondering if it was going somewhere, and actually Jasmine had left a, a comment on the YNR chat site mentioning that she thought maybe at the 
camping trip, Sully was going to get hurt and maybe take, get taken to the hospital, and that might lead to the paternity reveal. Um, but I, I kind of think that maybe uh, it was just sort of an easy scene. I don't think maybe YNR had decided to do anything other than just something fun for that, which is really surprising given the last several years of the show where it seemed like it has seemed like everything has to be a big reveal. Everything has to be a twist or a bang or a crash uh, to, to see a, a fun scene just for the fun of it, I think is a little shocking and a little bit jarring, but I really liked it. I felt in a lot of ways it sort of summarized the entire week. There wasn't a whole lot of big blow-ups and twists. A lot of it was just character development and easy watch and scenes, and while I don't necessarily want every week to be that, I kind of thought it was nice uh, just to have, just to be able to sit back and relax and watch the show and not have to fire up my brain too much. <laughs> uh, T. Nicole at YRChat.com says, I want that fiery Chelsea who went after Victor right after Adam was taken to prison. That Chelsea wouldn't trust Chloe and she would be conning her to find out the truth. Yeah, I know. Chelsea is definitely got her blinders on here. No doubt about it. And I like the fiery Chelsea too. I thought that that's what we were gonna get. I was very surprised to see how much Chelsea just welcomed Chloe with open arms, but of course that's gonna get blown up sooner or later, and she's gonna feel even more betrayed. I don't know what that means for the long-term uh, viability for Chloe being on the show now, because if, if, if everyone finds out that she did this to Adam, Chelsea's not gonna forgive her. No one, Kevin's not gonna forgive her. Well, I don't know, maybe Kevin will be the only one to forgive her her. Uh, it's, it's just, I, I can't, I can, can't see that blowing up and there not being any repercussions for her. Wouldn't she go to jail? I, I don't know. Is, is Chloe going to be around for a while? I got the impression that she's sort of around for a while. I don't know where YNR's going with that though. Katie, uh, left me a message on Facebook saying, what's worse, setting up your best friend's husband, sending him to prison, or giving a convincing heartfelt speech about forgiveness and moving forward? Geez, Chloe, did you practice that one in your mirror? <laughs> yeah, Katie. Uh, and, and, uh, to, okay, so what's worse, setting up your best friend's husband, sending him to prison, or the heartfelt speech, or I'll add one to that mix, uh, stealing a guy's sperm and getting pregnant with it. <laughs> <laughs> Which of those three things is worse? Because even though we don't necessarily, I feel not confirmed that Chloe uh, is, that, that the child is definitely Billy's. She still stole the sperm and that's still, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Erin <laughs> uh, on YouTube, by the way, had left me a list of some other ladies who did sperm stealing. <laughs> and um, I forgot about this one. Erin says, Diane stole Jack's sperm and got pregnant with Kyle. I totally forgot about that. This is such a common, way more common than you would think storyline, Erin. I mean, it's like, why? <laughs> why? Like, who even thinks 
of this, the stealing of the sperm. It's just, it's a bizarre soap trope. <laughs> uh, but Diane, that's a good one. Uh, Zooperplex on YouTube says, whatever happened to the security breach at Passkey? It seems like they dropped that story. This would be something that Natalie should be consumed with. Yes, Zooperplex, Passkey just went away. They just decided to make that disappear, which is maybe not a bad thing because it was kind of boring, but I mean, they a little bit sometimes have Natalie mention that she's working on the whole thing, but it kind of seems like they made that disappear. And does that mean they're going to make Natalie disappear too? I went to uh, my little casting website, which is never, doesn't really give me the best casting news. I don't know why I don't find someplace else. Uh, it only gives me super official stuff. Uh, but I, I'm thinking, is Natalie gone from the show? What are they going to do with her? If Kevin's going to be completely consumed with everything and all things Chloe, what happens to Natalie? Is she going to work on, I mean, if she's not working on Passkey and that's no longer in the forefront, she doesn't seem to have a purpose. Uh, and I don't know who they would hook her up with as far as romantic potential. Can you guys think of anybody else who might be a romantic pair for Natalie? It kind of seems like there's more girls than guys. Maybe we need a new guy. Maybe we need Daniel. Except I got a feeling Daniel's going to hook up with Mariah. I have a feeling that's her match coming, uh, which is going to be really ironic considering he knew Cassie and was uh, he was unfortunately uh, driving the car the night that Cassie died. So it, it would be probably a little bit weird for him to hook up with Mariah, who looks just like Cassie. But do you remember Cassie had that crush on Daniel and she was starting to want to wear makeup and she wanted to go where this to this party where he was and um, I think she he passed out in the car and she took his car trying to drive him home and she wrecked the car and ended up unfortunately dying uh, and Daniel took a lot of heat for that I mean obviously Nick wanted to rip Daniel to shreds it's ultimately something that uh, kind of began the Nick and Phyllis relationship um, not necessarily a fair uh, but Phyllis was supporting her son Nick wanted to rip his face off uh, and I think that sort of created the um, the relationship between Nick and Phyllis which later developed into the affair so uh, anyway I think that it's a possible nod to why in our history to bring Daniel back and have him maybe at least develop a friendship with Mariah. I, I think he's only going to be around for a couple episodes, though, so I don't know uh, if maybe we could do a Daniel, Mariah, Natalie short-term love triangle. Maybe they're going to just test the waters since it's the 11,000th episode that Daniel's supposed to be returning for. Not sure. Oh, gosh. Connor <laughs> left me a voice message about Jack, Phyllis, and Billy, that whole situation. This was like a deep freaking analogy, Connor. It literally blew my hair back. I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh my God, that's freaking genius. Connor says he, the whole Phyllis, Jack, Billy triangle, he calls it nightclub, okay? Because there's you, you got your home, okay? You got your home space and you got your nightclub space. And you can go to the club, you can go to the club, the nightclub, and you can have fun. And that represents Billy. But eventually you realize, well, I do have to go back home, and that's Jack. And Connor says, sometimes the nightclub tries to follow you home, but you can say no. I 
love this analogy, Connor. It's just, I wish I could summarize it as great as you summarized it. Sometimes I wish I could just play your guys' voicemails because you, you said it so much better than I could, but I really like that. It is true. It's almost like Jack is Phyllis's home base. That's where she finds her comfort. That's where she keeps her stuff. That's always going to be home. But Billy represents this fun thing that you can go and do while you're out. And yeah, it's really good and it feels really good. But ultimately, you have to go home. And ultimately, you kind of want to go home. So um, that's just a it's just that was really, really good. Uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> I have a feeling maybe you were out nightclubbing this weekend. <laughs> Sandra at YRChat.com, which is this is another like really deep comment. Sandra says, love is blind. Marriage is an eye opener. Luca couldn't insinuate himself into Newman business no matter how hard he tried. Now he proposes marriage to Summer to weasel his way into the Newman clan. How is it that Summer cannot see Luca for the snake he is? I predict they marry and then Nick uncovers the whole truth about Luca's involvement with the oil spills. And since we know Hunter King is slated to be recurring status, Summer will just have to go away to get over Luca. Woohoohoohoo! Sandra, that is probably completely on the ball. I was tr talking last week trying to remember. I thought I heard that Hunter King was g going away or something, but you're reinforcing it for me here, Sandra, that she is recurring status. So I guess that means we're just going to see less and less of her, which of course means there's no way this marriage is ultimately going to work out. Do we know anything about the status of the actor who plays Luca? Is he going to kind of disappear uh, along with Summer, or is he going to stay on? the show and become an eligible bachelor um i and i wonder too if everyone else is feeling that way um because you know like sandra is saying i just still don't trust luca was there anybody who was convinced by luca's kind of change of heart uh do you do we believe that he is being sincere with summer uh in you know in proposing to her and saying that he wants to start a family is this all just some deep ruse still to get back into newman enterprises or um, do you think that he actually loves her and is actually uh, wanting to start a life with her? Has he changed? Has Luca changed at all? I think that there's no more denying that he's that he has been a snake. Uh, but my question for you guys is, do you think that he's a reformed snake now? Uh, Daisy on Facebook says, I can't see Abby and Ben staying together much longer. Not wanting Abby to get involved in her stepson's health and well-being shows how little faith Ben has in her. Abby deserves more than just being thought of as a dolly, and Ben should have involved her in everything related to Max's recovery, but he doesn't want her to be involved. Ben's excuses were very patronizing. The bottom line is he doesn't trust her. I'm really glad you bought that up, Daisy, because I didn't, I wasn't even going to talk about Ben and Abby because it feels like the same thing that it was last week. I feel like I've said everything about Ben and Abby last week that I could say again, and I completely agree with you. I think that uh, Stitch is shutting her out, and even though he gives her lip service, it just never seems to want to amount to anything. He's telling her he wants to start a family last week. This week, he 
doesn't want to start a family. He's not ready. He tells her that he wants her to be involved in Max's recovery, yet he shuts her out and doesn't include her in uh, the whole, you know, information release on, on Max's status. I don't know if Ben is trying to protect her from knowing how bad the situation with Max is. I, whatever he's feeling, I'm not connecting with it. I'm not saying that I don't understand what he's going through and what he's been through, uh, but at the same time, I just, I can't make excuses for not communicating. It's the number one thing that you need to do in a marriage, and I don't know why he can't just do it. it whatever you're feeling, Ben, just let it out. If it's sadness, if it's anger, and maybe it is anger toward Abby, and, and he's not wanting to put that on her, but whatever it is, you have to say it, because otherwise, all we're doing is witnessing the crumbling of a relationship that has no real reason uh, to crumble. I don't know. I agree. Sean at YRChat.com says, Okay, so I find it very irritating that Hillary accuses Dr. Neville of trying to kill her. Does she not forget what he did to save her? He made a miracle treatment that kept her alive. Plus, she should also be thanking him for taking the shot for trying to speed up the drug trial. Otherwise, Hillary would have been the one to go to jail. Thank you, Sean. I, I wasn't even going to mention that either because it's like, I roll my eyes every time Hillary and Devon act like Dr. Neville was trying to kill her. He wasn't. He saved her more than once. It just so happened that the last treatment didn't work out. Sorry, it happens. It was a drug trial. If you're in a patient drug trial, you have a level of acceptance that it's not something that's been FDA approved. So you have to accept that it might not work. And furthermore, I really like your point about her blaming everything on Neville when he's the one that ended up taking the fall for something that she did. Watching her stand there with that reporter going on about how it was all his fault and he was a bad employee for for you know for switching the results. That was all you, Hillary. It was all you. <laughs> Cheyenne on YouTube says, I liked uh, Hillary and Devon making plans for the future. This was last week. Uh, I can tell that Mal Young is working to repair all the stuff that has happened. Cheyenne, I have seen that in so many ways throughout the past three weeks now. It really feels like couples that were broken up are coming back together. Uh, and, and you can just see it everywhere. New sets, new, and I you know like little, little Easter eggs of history being dropped into the show. I really feel a difference in YNR these last couple of weeks. I don't know if Hillary and Devon are ultimately going to make it. Uh, he seems to just put up with her no matter what she throws at him. Uh, bless him. <laughs> uh, Justin left me a voicemail with a couple of anniversary notes. Did you guys know that one year ago, I guess it would be next week, the whole cabin murder mystery thing was resolved. We found out that Harding was the actual murderer can you believe that's been a year? It feels like so long ago. Two years ago, Justin says, Gina Tognoni made her premiere as Phyllis. And Justin says, ask which 
Phyllis do you like better? Do you like the Michelle Stafford version or do you like the Gina Tognoni version? Justin says he likes them both equally. I kind of agree. I, I have an appreciation for the Michelle Stafford uh, Phyllis. It is, you know, kind of a part of the past. I remember watching her in the 90s uh, and I remember appreciating and, and being kind of drawn into her affair with Nick. Uh, there was a lot good that Michelle Stafford brought to the table, but I'm totally in camp Gina Tognoni. I think she's really, really given us a new, more mature, an interesting version of Phyllis. Um, if I, if you asked me if I wanted to bring Michelle Stafford back at this point, I'd say no. I'd rather have, at this point in time, the Gina version uh, than the Michelle version, but I still have an appreciation for, for the Michelle version. If you guys want to tell me which Phyllis you guys prefer, uh, and if you could replace her, would you? Uh, I think that would be another interesting question for this week. Thank you, Justin, for bringing that up, and thank you for sending me this really cool YNR Seek and Find word puzzle. Wherever you're watching or uh, listening to YNR chat, I'm going to put a link to this Seek and Find. It's like a one-page that you can print out, and uh, it has like YNR related words that you can find in the word jumble. It's really cute. It's really fun. I'm going to put the link to it in the description for this week's uh, video and podcast so that if you guys want to print it out and do a YNR related seek and find, that's completely courtesy of Justin. He is really good at doing like poll questions and hypothetical questions and games, which I love. So super huge thanks because those are really fun and really cool and I do appreciate it a lot. Uh, and I'm excited to do my seek and find. <laughs> um, Gary left me a voicemail this past week uh, with a couple of comments about sets, which is like one of my favorite topics now because there's so so many new ones. Uh, Gary uh, called in after having seen Ashley just walking into the dive bar, uh, finding Abby and Stitch laying uh, in a public bed, basically making out. <laughs> Gary says, what kind of place is this? Uh, I thought that was kind of weird too. I wasn't going to mention it. The dive bar is the bar above the athletic club and they had this bed. I mean, I don't know why. First of all, I don't know why they would have that large of, I, mean, I guess, day bed sort of thing sitting out in the middle of a restaurant slash pool because um, it didn't come off as like pool chairs. It really came off as a bed. Second, who would want to lay on that? I would never, ever want to like put my skin and my hair on a public bed. It was just weird. So I'm glad you brought that up. And also Gary says, speaking of sets, was the camping set an actual set or were they actually outside? Um, Gary says, if it is a set, it was a great set. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing it was a set. Does anybody know for sure? Uh, I just, I can't imagine they they dra actually dragged Sharon Case out uh, camp camping into the woods unless they had some little place where outside where they could do it. I think it was, I think it was a set though, but it did look good. I mean, even everything right down to the grass. I looked 
looked at that. Uh, the trees looked very real. It was it was a nice set, and I think that in and of itself is a reason to appreciate that whole sequence. Uh, it's just it's cool. It took me there. I felt like I was camping. They had a live fire. I mean, like YNR never has a sense of being outside. I do like the Chancellor Park set, and I appreciate that when we get it. Uh, but you know, for instance, watching Bold and the Beautiful, they have outdoor restaurants, and and sometimes they're filming on a rooftop, and it actually is outside because you can hear planes going over. Uh, I'm sure that YNR, it's probably a lot more difficult to shoot outside when you need a controlled situation to for, you know for filming and and the lighting, and there's a lot of variables. So I appreciate just that they gave us a sense of being outside, even if it was an actual set. Also, Gary had mentioned uh, the set where the board meeting took place. Um, I I believe that that is Lily's old office, right? Is that also um, an office in the athletic club? It was a, it was a good looking set too that I think we saw a while ago, but Wayner didn't do much with it, and it's it's and then kind of let it go. But I I, I if I'm wrong, let you guys let me know. But um, I think that's where that was, and it is a nice set. We should see that more often. And also speaking of sets, <laughs> Marianne left me a comment at yrchat.com saying, I wonder if Jill's revisited slash remodeled Chancellor Mansion will be part of the 11th episode. According to Soap Opera Digest, Jill will be seen on the show for the rest of the summer. I can see positive changes with the show already. I have enjoyed the show overall in 2016, but I felt Kane, Lily, Michael, Lauren, Jill, and Colin have been underused for two or three years. It's good to see these characters on screen more often. Marianne, I never even thought of that. What if the 11,000th episode is a bit reveal of the new mansion and like everybody's there that would be so great that just excites me so much I mean I I'm, I'm glad you also told me that Jill's gonna be around for the summer because I think she's adding a lot that she get the Chancellor Mansion back get Jill back I know that Colin is coming back for a little bit like it just feels like all of the stars are aligning I'm I just love the direction of the show right now I've, it feels closer to my classic YNR right now I for one am just loving it. Well, I hope that you guys are loving the show too. Whether you are or whether you aren't, <laughs> you can always leave me your comments and sound off about it. Yrchat.com is the main website where you can leave comments on the blog or you can find the Facebook and YouTube pages. You can find the link to download the podcast if you like to listen to audio or if you like to talk your comments, <laughs> then you can call my voicemail at 309-588-4569. There are several different ways that you can sound off about the show, good or bad, whatever you're feeling. I love hearing it. I love seeing the poll results. Um, I love seeing your captions on the weekly photo caption uh, at the website. Um, and I love just in general getting a chance to see and hear where you guys are with the show. So um, I have one narrow focus. <laughs> I am just one fan. So I actually feel really happy.
happy about the fact that I can bring in different kinds of perspectives that are not my own through uh, your guys's comments. So I always appreciate those and I hope you keep them coming and I hope that you guys have a really good week and come back next time and we'll chat again about our favorite show. <laughs> I love you guys. I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.